Good morning, and happy almost new year. <laughs> My name is Chris, and I serve on the elder board here, and it's so good to have you with us here this morning. Thank you to the worship band for the great music this morning. I think that's a great song to kind of ring in the new year here, talking about how God has our future in his hands and works everything out for his glory. So amen to that. So welcome. If you are just visiting here or you don't necessarily call New Song your home and you want to get a little more information about who we are, what we do here, there are connect cards on the seat back in front of you. Hopefully there's pens there as well. So fill one of those out. Let us know who you are. If you have a prayer request, anything of the na that nature, please fill it out. You could drop it in the little box on your way out the door. Uh, just a couple logistics here this week. The office will be closed through Wednesday, and youth group will resume next Wednesday. Uh, this Sunday, being the 31st, is the last Sunday to give for the end of the year. So if you have had that on your mind or your heart and you have not yet had the opportunity to give a financial gift at the end of the year, today will be your last chance for that. And we appreciate everything that all of us have all been able to give uh, to keep everything running and moving here. And we couldn't do what we do here on uh, leadership and staff and ministry without everybody here working together. So thank you all for that. And, uh, you know, this, um, this is a special day. This is signifying the end of the year, the beginning of what's to come. It carries with it all sorts of hopes, fears maybe, expectations. Maybe it doesn't really signify much change for people at all. But we want to celebrate all those things because we believe that God is in all those things. Yeah. And this morning, we do have a little bit of a special opportunity here as we are going to have three of our pastors up here speaking. So... As Grant likes to say, I hope you packed a lunch because you guys are going to be here for a while. <laughs> no, it's really not going to be that long, but we're going to have Grant, Melody, and Pastor Stephen come up to uh, give a bit of a word here. So I'm going to say a moment of prayer over them, and they're going to, we're going to begin the message. Dear Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity to gather here today on this Sunday, this special day. And I pray that you be present here with your Holy Spirit. May you place your hands a blessing upon Pastor Grant, Pastor Melody, and Pastor Stephen as they come up to deliver your word, Lord. I pray that they will speak your words. And may you give us all ears to hear, Lord, what it is you have to say to us. And I pray that our hearts will be open to them, to one another, and that you will bless this community by drawing us closer and closer together. Thank you, Lord, for your wonderful blessing. Thank you for who you are. And may you continue to guide us into this new year and shine a light before our feet through your word. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Chris. Happy New Year. Amen. Almost. Well, they already, Japan has already had New Year. A lot of the world has already celebrated it, so we can legitimately say that, yeah? How's everyone doing? Tired? Yeah? Feeling good? So, uh, yeah, as, as Chris said, Melody and Stephen and I are all going to share. I'm super excited. Uh, this will be Stephen's first time up here sharing with us all, so super excited about that. 
Um, and we were, we've done this before. Uh, in fact, most of the churches I've worked at, uh, it started up in Orcas Island, this idea of, of the pastors all sharing something, because we all see the, the year that has been in, in different ways. Uh, and uh, we do believe that the Holy Spirit resides in his people. Each one of you could probably get up and share something of the year and something for the year ahead as well. But we don't have time. Uh, that would be like a lot of lunches we need to pack. Uh, so we're going to share today. And we were thinking about what we talk about, what themes perhaps. Uh, and we, we decided upon three words that for each of us seem to have some resonance with the year that we have had. And the three words were loss, pace, and new. I wonder if you can guess which one of us are going to share which one. You know, really, all of us could share about all of these things. We all experience these. Each person in this room has experienced issues of loss, issues of pace, the pacing of our lives, uh, and new experiences. Uh, they're common to the human experience, all of these themes. In fact, uh, I mean, everything new involves some kind of loss. If you have some new experience, there's also something to be lost. And the pace of life is always a challenge for us. Uh, but today I'm going to share this morning about loss. Some of you may have guessed that might be the theme for me because it has been quite a year uh, for my family, uh, for many of us. Uh, I think I have a real affinity with all of you who have lost this year, lost many things that were precious to you. Uh, I had this uh, meme pop up on my Instagram feed, which I thought was great. Right, calling God to make sure I'm signed up for the lucky and blessed package for 2024, not the trials and tribulations package, right? <laughs> I know some years just seem to have an extra weight to them. You know, do you feel it? Just think about loss, the idea of loss. What have you lost this year? For some of us, it's almost all we think about. Maybe someone, a person close to us. Maybe some dream, some hope. Maybe something physical, health-related. Many, many losses uh, represented in this room. And I want to give us some hope in that. From a place of loss, I've pondered deeply what it might mean to walk with God and for God to walk with me through the all-too-real experience of loss as a human being on this earth. And I came up with this idea about God as I was pondering this concept, and it's this, that God is the Lord of lost things. God is the Lord of lost things. You know, the idea of things that are lost come up a lot in Scripture. And especially in Jesus when he came and he walked and he talked and he taught. Uh, he talked a lot about things that were lost. In one particular part of the Gospel of Luke, in quick succession, he talked about a lost sheep. He talked about a lost coin and this frantic search for this lost coin. And then he talked about a lost son as we call a prodigal son. And it's interesting, the context uh, from out of which he shared these stories was, was this. In Luke chapter 15, it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So this is the context that these stories of things that are lost and are being sought uh, arises. In response to being criticized by these self-righteous people for Jesus spending long, leisurely hours with the community's lowest people, Jesus talks about a search for what is lost. And I think this reveals the heart of God, 
that God is one who seeks, always seeks and seeks to restore. God is always searching and seeking for that which is lost. The other day, uh, Kira and Rona and Ethan and I went for a hike and we found someone's car keys. And I know you're gonna tell me you should have just left them there, but we took them because we thought, well, Ethan remembered there being a Honda parked in front of our Honda. I thought, that's probably it. We're gonna leave a note and stuff. Well, it wasn't, it was a Nissan actually, so his memory failed us. I spent way too long yesterday trying to find a way to get these keys back to the owner. I went to the Honda dealership. No, the keys are not tied to the registration. Um, went to two different police stations. At the second one, they said, actually, that's not the closest place to that. And I said, just, I'm just leaving them here. You deal with it. But it's kind of crazy thinking about something that's lost. I had the keys. I wanted to return them. The owner, no doubt, wants their keys back. All the desire is there, all the motivation. But there's a limitation in being able to, re to return this lost thing. There's geography and the fact of the population of Honda owners in this part of the world is I drive around clicking the button hoping to come across the, <laughs> the car that bleeps, right? It makes it practically impossible because we are limited. There's much in life that we experience of loss which feels final, it feels impossible because we are limited. But when it comes to loss, God is not like us. He is not limited. God is the Lord of lost things. In Isaiah chapter 40, this amazing passage, which actually comes after these, some of these prophecies about the Messiah to come that we just celebrated over Advent and Christmas. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name because of his great power and missing strength, not one of them is missing. I went to a quick trip to the desert on Thursday night actually and wow, the desert, no light pollution, looking up at the stars. Apparently with a naked human eye, on the darkest night we can see about 4,548 stars. But in reality above my head were millions and millions of stars but I can't see them all. They are lost to me, but not to God. Nothing can ever be lost from the sight of God. Keys, stars, people, plans, everything. Nothing is ever truly lost to God. You know, I lost close, dear people this year, and the biggest question my family has had is, where is my sister? Where is Rona's mother? I, I believe that truly with God, they are found, they are seen, they are known, even though I cannot see them. And I believe that this is the same for all the things that we lose along the way. That amazing line that always brings me to tears when they sing that song, Ben Placid, making me cry. I know nothing has been wasted, no failure or mistake. So if nothing is ever truly lost, then I believe for, the, for 2024, we can be confident to seek, to be seekers like God. That which is hidden from us, missing from us, is still present to God. And we can be seekers. Luke 11, Jesus said, say, I say unto you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. 
until one who knocks, the door will be opened. And really, what are we to seek? We're to seek all of the richness of the presence and the person of God. His kingdom has come. His kingdom is here. And he sees it all. All that has been lost is present to him and is ours still to come. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. 2024, a year to be those who seek God's kingdom. Not just being stuck in the place of loss, hopelessness, despair, but with confidence to seek. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica, brothers and sisters, that we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. We have hope. We have hope. I have a scripture I believe God has given me for the new year. This is not a yearly practice for Rona and I, but just in the, some of you uh, have heard about, you know, situations and things with my family and I, and there's been some significant moments that felt very providential and, and things I could share with you if we get a chance to talk. Um, but one of them was this passage that came to mind so strongly to us, and it's this Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. My prayer for, for myself, my family, and for you is we can let a lot of things go and earnestly seek God into this year, and he will heal us. He will give us hope. He will give us vision. And he will restore to us all that we believe has been lost. And he is good. Thank you, Lord, for this family. Many losses, Father. I pray that you would turn our eyes to the confidence that we have in you that all that is lost uh, is known by you, is found by you, is understood by you. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to be those who have hearts that seek after you. In Christ's name, amen. amen. I'm going to invite my friend and Pastor Melody up to, to share a little bit now. Thanks, Mel. You want a fresh mic? Are you good? Good morning. Good morning. Whose little voice was that? Whose little voice was that? Someone's? Who's that? Is that? Uh, who's that back there? Oh, hi, sweetie pie. Good morning. Well, happy almost new year. <laughs> Come on. I wore my sparkle. I see a lot of you sparkly out there. Couldn't finish off the, the new year without some sparkle. You know, I, I walked through Marshall looking for something, Marshall's looking for something to wear today. And uh, no, there was no sparkly tree skirts left. But I found this and I just put it on top. I mean, we were literally in sweats and stuff. And I came like walking down the aisle and my kids were like, she is not our mom. She is not our mom. And I was like, this is perfect. So anyway, thank you, Marshall's clearance rack. Anyway, um, well, my name is Melody, and I'm happy to be here with you this morning and sharing with you. Um, I, a few days before Christmas, uh, December 20th, I did 
One of the silliest things I have done in a long time, besides trying on a tree skirt, thinking it was a sweater. Um, but I did something that was a little out of character for me. I saw a rainbow on the way home one day. Maybe you saw it too. Did anyone see it that day just recently? Yeah, within the week? Yeah. And I decided, you know what? I'm gonna chase this rainbow. Right? And I felt a little bit silly doing it, and I felt like this is ridiculous, but I just, I felt like I was getting closer and closer and closer. And you know, I, it was raining, it was off and on, and, and uh, you know, I was trying to take pictures of it safely. And if you know me, you know that I'm a pretty busy lady. I don't normally chase rainbows. Okay, that sounds just, I felt so silly doing it. And it's, you know, I came home and I told Chris and he's like, did you think there was a pot of gold at the end? Like what, what were you actually doing? I was like, no, I was just, I felt like I was getting closer and closer to it. But you know, I'm, I'm, it was so out of character for me because I'm pretty busy. I'm usually on my way to one thing or another. And you know, my kids weren't even in the car and I decided to chase it and chase it some more and chase it some more, and chase it some more. Do you see the end, the double rainbow there? Right, so beautiful. I chased it all the way up to the top of Glendora Boulevard until I couldn't go any further. And you know, when I got to the top of the street, I, I couldn't go any further, so I just stopped and I stared at it and I just took a minute to just appreciate like the complexity of this. The, the beautiful colors and, and just, kind of the, the wonderful, the marvel of this, the science of this that I just, I just don't understand. And, and I took a moment to just kind of slow down my day. And, you know, I thought to myself, like, man, I wish, I wish there was more rainbows for me to chase. I wish there was more rainbows to remind me to slow down. When is the last time maybe you stopped to chase a rainbow? or something similar. Maybe you stopped to slow the pace of your day. You know, when Grant and Stephen and I sat together and we, we talked about these words and, and the word that kind of resonated with me was in fact pace because there, there's so many moments of hurry in my life. There's so many moments of getting to here to getting to there. <clears throat> but there have been so many moments that God has gifted me to slow my pace, catch my breath, and focus on what is right in front of me. Just the other day, uh, it was the day after Thanksgiving, so I guess it wasn't just the other day, about a month ago. Uh, it was the day after Thanksgiving, and my Walmart team was, uh, my Walmart pickup team for the donations, they were, um, you know, with family and whatnot. Chris and I were in town, so we volunteered to cover the Walmart pickup, and, um, you know, it was the day after Thanksgiving, Black Friday, right? A super busy day, people are hustling and bustling, and, you know, <clears throat> Chris and I, when we got to Walmart, we had to wait and wait and wait, and wait some more. And you know, they're a major retail store. They were busy that day. And we just waited and waited. And, and you know, another time in, in my day or another time in that week, I could have been in a hurry. 
I could have been in a hurry, but that time together with Chris was such a gift because we actually had a really serious conversation that we had been putting off for quite a while. And I feel like God gifted us that time, that slow moment, that pace to our day. Even this morning, this morning, my son Joshua, where's Josh? Raise your hand. There he is. Look how cute he is. Raise it high. You're so cute. My son. Uh, he offered this morning, he offered last night, he said, Mom, what time are you going to church this, tomorrow morning? I said, oh, pretty early, buddy, like 8 a.m. And he's like, I'll go with you. And I said, are you, is one of your friends going? Or is one, no, I'll just go with you. What a gift. What a gift that I got to spend my morning with my son, Josh, as I finished up my slides for this morning, as I prepared some things for the rest of the day. I got to spend some time with my 13-year-old son because I slowed my pace. Just seconds after Joshua leaves, Rana here walked in my door. And what I say, oh yeah, I'm supposed to be downstairs, but you know what, you're right in front of me. This is what matters. This is what matters. Pace is probably one of the things I struggle with the most. And I think sometimes things that we struggle with the most are the things that we need the most of or things we need to put into practice to do or to not do. I think that when we're trying to do our best to focus on pace or rest or whatever the subject is, we might hit roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. You know, this, this summer, I, I, every summer actually, I spend a lot of time on the calendar and I spend a lot of time planning out events, 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 so that I don't hit a crazy week of a crazy pace where I have something going on every night of the week. And as much as I try, as much as I try to plan, there's weeks that it just happens. Would you say yes? There's weeks that stuff just happens. And there's times that I get so busy, you know, this is a terrible thing for me to admit. Sometimes I'm moving so fast, I have left my car running several times as I walk into the store. And I come back and I'm like, oh, whoops. I leave my car running. Isn't that terrible? It could get stolen, yes, all the things. Everyone's thinking how irresponsible I am right now. But, but that's the pace sometimes that I have, and it's, it's what I struggle with sometimes. But again, as, as, as much as I struggle with it, I know I need it, too. I know I need to slow my pace, because before you know it, and tell me if you experience this as well, before you know it, I start to function on autopilot. I'm here, I'm there, I'm there, I came home, I went, I'm back, and before you know it, the day just goes by. Anyone experience that? If there's one thing that you hear from me today, specifically me, I want you to hear me say this. Go buy this book. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. We have this out in the hallway for you to look at. But this book, if you put into practice some of these things, these things can be life-changing because it touches on so many truths about pace that we might struggle with. It touches so many things. Here's what uh, John Mark has to say about life in a hurry. He says, the thing is, 
I feel like a ghost, half alive, half dead, more numb than anything else, flat, one-dimensional. Emotionally, I live under a current of nonstop anxiety that rarely goes away, a tinge of sadness, but mostly, I just feel blah, spiritually, empty. It's like my soul is hollow. He later says, we all have our own story of trying to stay sane in the day and age of iPhones and Wi-Fi and the 24-hour news cycle and urbanization and 10-lane freeways with soul-crushing traffic and nonstop noise and fren fren frenetic 90-mile-per-hour life of go, go, go. Now, before you think you may not fit into this category, before you think, oh, my pace is pretty good, he says in this book, he's like, everyone is busy. He says, empty nesters are busy. The guys on the golf cart, uh, the guys on the golf, whatever it's called, what is it called? Field course, okay. The guys on the golf course are busy. The CEOs are busy. Everyone is busy. We're all busy. So how do we find our pace? So I'll give you the first tip. Go buy this book. Okay, that's the first tip. What I want you to hear from me today, say it. Go buy this book. But the other way, the other way, and the best way I'm gonna say is to look to Jesus. And look at his pace. Now if I consider myself a follower of Jesus, I have to look at his life and the pace that he kept. And scripture never records Jesus being in a hurry. He was sure he was going places. He had a destination. He had a mission. But he always had someone right in front of him. Someone right in front of him. He took time to talk to the Samaritan woman. He took time to bless the children. He took time to stay behind after a long afternoon of teaching to feed and to care for people. He stopped to heal, to answer questions, to repeat things over and over and over again to his disciples. He did a lot of things. He was a busy guy, yes? But he never seemed rushed. And the pace I'm talking about is not how much we do and how quickly we can get it done. That's not the pace that Jesus kept. The pace of Jesus is about focusing on what matters. And that's usually what's right in front of you. That's usually what's right in front of you. As we end this year, and as Grant said, my, my prayer for you, as you wake tomorrow to 2024, if you're going to stay up and ring in the new year tonight at midnight... I don't want to give you another resolution for your list, but I do want to give you some things to do. I do want you to chase rainbows whenever you can or something similar. Go on the hike, take the long drive, take the scenic route, go for a walk, maybe you'll find keys. I do want you to do things that make you slow your pace. I want you to have important conversations when you can. When you are gifted the gift of time, when you're surprised by someone's time to spend with you, or maybe you surprise someone with your time. Maybe you surprise someone with your time. And I want you to pace yourself right over to Barnes & Noble later and order the book. Or pace yourself to your local library. You know, I learned this morning that you can ask your local library to order a book. 
I didn't know that. You can ask your local library, hey, could you order this book? And they usually will. If you, can't, if you don't have a way to buy the book, come talk to me and I'll, I'll get you a copy to borrow. But especially my prayer for you to remember in 2024, today, as you leave today, is pace. And I want you to know that Jesus' pace was to pay attention to what matters. And it was usually what was right in front of him and for you, it's usually going to be what's right in front of you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that as we enter this new year, as we leave this place, as we still have family and friends around, as we are doing whatever it is we're doing in the next few days, this afternoon, Lord, I pray, I pray, Lord, that we would slow our pace that we would pay attention, Lord, and that we would see what's right in front of us, Lord. Lord, that we would, that we would just be surprised by a little bit of a slower pace at times, Lord, that you would gift us moments, Lord, that we would recognize when that is a moment, a gift from you, Lord. Lord, thank you for rainbows and thank you for all the ways you speak to us, for the stars in the skies, for the people right in front of us, Lord, for the people right around us right now, for this room. Lord, would we follow your pace, Lord? And would we pay attention to what matters? In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm gonna invite Pastor Stephen up. Well, that was pretty good. Pace? Man, we got... It's funny to think about pace when it's like things are going on this morning and we're like running around everywhere. So, appreciate that. Well, um, Happy New Year for the third time. You guys ready for the, for the last inning? Last inning stretch? Yeah. Well, um, I'm sure each of us could describe this year using many words for some, like, loss, some pace. Some of the words you could use is maybe like trust. Maybe you had to trust a lot. Maybe there's been hurt. Maybe you've had a fun year. Maybe you've had a relaxing year. For me, it's been a new year. I would use this, the word new to describe my year because so much new happened for me this year. This year, I was engaged. I was planning, Jess and I were planning a wedding. Earlier this year, we experienced a little bit of loss because we stepped into something new by walking away from a position um, at another church that God was calling us to walk away from. This year, it's been really new to see God provide like he's never provided before for us. God provided new song to us, something that we, we never expected and kind of came out of the blue at a point where Jess and I were almost giving up on healthy churches because of our history with, with different things. It was new to see how God provided for our wedding. 
where we didn't have that much money and saying, all right, God, what are you going to do? How are you going to provide? It was, it was new to even see how God provided for housing when literally we sat down with a, a budget person and he was like, well, you can't really afford living in California. <laughs> and we're like, well, that's not an option. And I kid you not, he said, pray somebody has something in your church that God will provide. And, I, and within a week, God provided. I know, it was, it was literally like I've never seen God provide this way. Yeah, you give a hand to God, right? <laughs> Praise the Lord. And honestly, it has been such a joy for Jess and I to be a part of this community. To see, to see church done in a new way. To kind of unlearn some things and then learn some new things. To learn the new things of how we do Thanksgiving here and how we do Christmas and the pantry and all these new things have been so exciting. But probably the biggest thing that has been new in our lives has been getting married. Right? It's, it's very new. <laughs> and it's interesting to learn how to do life completely different. For anybody who is married, you could probably agree you can't do married life the same way you do single life, right? Makes sense. And it's very interesting to learn when you're, when you're in this doing life together, living together, thinking of each other, considering the other person, we had to do a lot of new learning. Even things like, it was really interesting to learn that things like how you fold laundry is very different. And when I take a sock and stuff it into another sock to put in the drawer, Jess is like, what are you doing? Like, I don't know, I'm folding a sock. Well, that's not how you fold a sock. You, you fold them around each other. Oh, it's new. <laughs> or another funny one is when I go to make hot chocolate. And uh, I grew up in a family where you, you boil the water, put it in, put the hot chocolate. So I go to boil water for us. And uh, she's like, what are you doing? Why'd you heat up water? You need to heat up milk. Anybody grow up in a milk household, milk hot chocolate? What about water hot chocolate household? See, it's about equally split. It's about equally split. Not everyone does it one way. And at first we start the conversations by saying like, what are you doing? And then we started developing a little better language for this. And throughout the last, what, three, three four months of being married, we start saying, so this is the way I've always done this. Um, how do you do this? And what's the best way we could do this together? And it takes on some steps. Now what's interesting is it, it kind of made me reflect with this idea of new, how we each have our own perspective. Each one of us, on everything, we have our, our own perspective, our one perspective. It's typically the perspective that we think is right. It's typically the one based on our tradition, our history, our, our how we were raised or taught. Yet, there's also many other ways to see things. What's interesting is to see how Jesus was born into a world of tradition, of religion, of all these things of tradition and, and the way you do life. Even from Jesus' unconventional birth that we celebrated last year, we see that he challenged some of those things. He challenged some of the ways that we always do things. And he brought stuff new. 
In the Gospel of Luke, right when Jesus is starting his ministry and he's healing people and he's calling his first disciples, he calls Levi and then he eats with sinners. And he's challenged for eating with sinners and this is right after he says it's not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick. He's questioned about something. So in Luke 5 verse 33, It says, they said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered, can you make make the friends of a bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and in those days they will fast. He told them this parable. No one tears a piece of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise, they will have torn the new garment, and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into an old wineskin. Otherwise, the new wine will burst out of the skin, and the wine will run out, and the wineskin will be ruined. No, the new wine must be poured into new wineskin. And no one, after drinking the old wine, wants the new, for they say, the old is better. In this passage... Jesus addresses two things pretty pretty directly. He he first directs their question, why his disciples don't fast. And then he brings up the topic of newness, of what he brings. Now what's interesting is fasting, it was a common Jewish practice that we still practice today in many ways. And it was less about the food and more about seeking God's intervention in your life. It was more of a longing and anticipation we see things like, like King David in the Old Testament fasting to seek God's intervention in his situation. And so it was more like a plead for God to come. You can almost see it as uh, the, the Pharisees asking, why don't your disciples plead for God to come? Which is kind of ironic when it's the child who is God who came. Now, Jesus also acknowledged in Matthew 6 that there were some that fasted for hypocritical reasons, like to show off their religious piety, to to throw dirt on their head and show how devoted they are, and to say, look at me, I'm good at being religious. So Jesus responds to this question about why his disciples aren't fasting by talking about a wedding. Now, a traditional Jewish wedding was a seven-day feast, and no one was allowed to fast during that time. It was set aside for people to feast, to enjoy, to celebrate what's happening, this union. And you can see almost Jesus saying, like, if I am the the, the groom coming to the church as my bride, why would you be fasting? This is a time for feasting. Why would you need God's intervention or even just show off your religion if God in flesh is in the world? See, Jesus, I think, wasn't telling them like a new rule or something. What he was telling them is saying sometimes there's special circumstances. Sometimes there's something new that requires a new approach, and you can't just always fit in the same piece into every situation. But then he goes a little bit deeper to talk about newness, to talk about what he's bringing as new. And he talks about old and new clothing, old and new wine. He starts off talking about a a patch of clothing. 
not tearing out a new a patch of a new cloth to fit onto that of an old cloth because it won't work. How many of you have ever put something in the dryer that was your size and then it comes out not being your size, right? <laughs> Sometimes I have to order something just a little larger to make sure it fits after I wash it. And so you could kind of imagine this in your brain to patch, to, to almost destroy a new garment, to fix an old one, and then it doesn't fit, it doesn't work. It might shrink, it might make the hole bigger. Then he brings up this second one, talking about wineskins. And wineskins at that time were often made out of um, actual skin of animals. And he's talking about how when they would put new wine into a wineskin, it had to be a new wineskin because it would expand and age with the wine. But if you already have a wineskin that's aged and expanded and all of this, and you put brand new wine into it, it would burst it. See, they walked up to Jesus trying to fit their tradition, their view of everything, their perspective into his teaching. But Jesus says that doesn't always work. That he's doing something new. For instance, in Matthew 5, here's a direct teaching. For, as an example, he says, you have heard it said, love your neighbors and hate your enemies. That was from the Old Testament, talking about like an eye for an eye, talking about how to treat equality Yet, he says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. See, what Jesus brings hits at the heart of the Old Testament. It doesn't disregard the Old Testament, but he's saying you can't approach it the same way. You have to hit the heart of the matter, the intention. Yet, like Jesus said about the wine, so many people like the old. So many times we would rather stick with the religion that we have already mastered than follow the God into the new relationship he's leading us into. See, in this season of marriage, where Jess and I have had to learn, just because we've done something one way all our life doesn't mean it's the right way or the only way. It's made me reflect on my relationship with God. Is my relationship with God so restrictive that I would rather hold to the religion that I've mastered or would I be open to following him into the new things that he wants to teach me? Now, this doesn't mean disregarding the essentials. We have unity in the essentials. But this does mean opening ourselves up to see from a different point of view. To show love by listening to others and see how they perceive the world. To bring unity to our church body that's centered around Christ and his birth death, resurrection. So can we do that new song? Can we be open to God doing something new in us? Yeah? Yes. I, I, yeah? yeah? There you go. All right, I'm going to pray for us. Dear Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you that you are doing a new thing here through us. Lord, thank you that each season you bring new blessings, that you bring new, new ways of thinking. Lord, I thank you that you don't leave us the same, but you challenge us constantly to grow deeper into the relationship with you. I pray for each one here that in the new year that they would, they would reflect on, on how they perceive the world around them and that they'd be challenged to a closer relationship with you. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I'm going to call up. We're going to go into communion now.
So I'm going to call Grant to lead us in communion. Thank you, brother. I think it's always remarkable. We don't confer, talk about what we're going to talk about. We just, we have the words, and I just love how God brings kind of a fully rounded thing. And, and as always, I think uh, entering into communion now, there's themes in all of these ideas that find a real beautiful place of response in this idea of the table to which we are invited. Uh, all, of, all who desire to follow Christ are invited to participate this morning in communion, even in the smallest way if your heart is turned toward God, uh, even if you don't know what that's going to mean for your life. Uh, we remember the, the evening when Jesus gathered his friends together. Um, they were confused. There was a lot of a sense of loss. What they had hoped for with Jesus was not apparently coming to pass. Uh, and what does he do? He, he invites them for a meal. And there they are in front of him, pace. I don't know how long they sat for that meal, but it was important to Jesus that they would do that. Apparently he washed their feet. They spent a long time together. Um, but there was also something very new that Jesus was bringing. This was something they had done for all of their lives, the Passover meal but they were on the verge of something radically new that they did not understand. They didn't need to understand that this was Christ's work. So this morning, as we are invited, we consider that which we have lost and knowing that in this place where Christ has given of himself, uh, everything can be found. We can be found. Uh, and we can take our time. We, we've got a little bit of time this morning. Well done, everyone. We can take our time with this to really be present here, to slow down, to taste the, the juice and taste the bread, experience this idea that we are one family. We are one in Christ. And to comprehend what it means that we are new creations. Uh, being renewed every day. So in your own time, um, come up and receive the elements. Now there's a station at the back and a station at the front. And then we'll hold them and we'll take them all together in just a moment. Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Let's take the bread. same way he took a cup and after he'd given thanks he said to his friends this cup represents the blood of the new covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins and then he said I will not drink this cup again until I drink it anew with you in my father's kingdom Lord Jesus come soon we pray let's pray 
Father, may the fact that we were here today together as one body in one spirit, by one baptism, by one Lord of all, may impact us, Lord, so deeply. We have been encouraged uh, to some form of forgetfulness uh, and, and a form of remembrance that is fresh each day that we, we will not strive to walk the old paths, Lord, but we want to walk with you as you lead, as you guide. May we learn from you about what it means to be present to what is right in front of us. Lord, may we grow to understand that you are the great seeker and restorer of all that we believe has been lost and that in you all things hold together, that your promises are true, you're faithful. And Lord, we pray at the beginning of this new year, Lord, that we would be new people as you direct, as you guide, as you heal. Lord, knit our hearts together. We pray that there will be no one in this community who is truly alone, but that we would make ourselves known, that we would seek out uh, our brothers and sisters. Lord, thank you for your great love. And we pray these things in the strong, faithful name of Jesus. Amen.